learning. I'm really thankful I have a five-year-old who is in school that is learning Welsh, who comes home each day and sits me on the sofa. Mummy, today this is what we're learning. And uh, yeah, learning and loving it very much. And we're just really thankful to be part of this journey and part of this church and to be in this place. So um, what I'm going to bring to you today, actually, a couple of weeks ago, you remember um, I spoke on I am courageous. And if you haven't learned this verse already, in the past month, then it should, for most of you, be etched on your hearts by now. Be strong and courageous. And what I really want to do today is do part two of this message, because I preached a message about four weeks ago. Then we, um, for us, it's been a real message, particularly for me, it was where the revelation came to come here. Um, that chapter in Joshua 1, particularly verses 6 to 9, for me, really stood out significantly. Um, after praying during 10 days of prayer and fasting, day 9, saying, God, if this is where you want us to be, I need revelation from your word. And that very morning, opening my devotions, Joshua 1, and getting to verses 6 to 9, go to the land of your inheritance. It's the land that I have called you to be strong and courageous. I will provide for you. I will be with you. And we have seen time and time again God's provision in our lives through this journey. So this is a significant passage for me. But then we went to the iKids conference. Jeremy and Joanna, if you were here last Sunday evening, explained a bit about what we experienced there. And again, um, it came up. Be strong and courageous. And you know when God begins to just again move on your heart about certain verses of scripture or characters in the Bible, it gets your attention. And um, we heard a message at the very beginning of the conference, um, looking at Joshua and Caleb and the spies, and, and then again at the end of the conference, really looking at the life of Joshua. So I'm taking us back there, if that's okay, this morning. Now, you know, some of the things I'm going to say today, you might think, oh, I think I remember you saying that a few weeks ago. I'm not repeating the message. God's given me a fresh word for this morning. But, you know, 20% of what we hear, we actually remember. So if you've remembered 20% from four weeks ago, and you remember 20% from today, then you're nearly halfway there. So um, are you ready? If you've got your Bibles, turn to the book of Joshua, and I'm just going to give you a little bit of a breakdown of Joshua up to the point we get to in Joshua chapter 1. Um, but Joshua, when you think about Joshua as a, as a boy and as a child and as a young person, he grew up, he was born into slavery. So he would have grown up for the first part of his life in Egypt under slavery. And he would have been in the prime of his life when Moses went to Pharaoh, said, let my people go, and led the people through the Red Sea. Joshua would have experienced that time. He would have experienced the faith that it would have taken to step out and to go from slavery and walk through, see God do an incredible miracle of walking through the Red Sea. And all of these things that started to happen in Joshua's early life, when you really think about him as a character and as a person, God was building him up right from a young age to be a person of faith to be a person of courage, to see the miracles of God's hand at work. And that would have been etched on his heart. He would have learnt faith and trust in God like none of us can really, really comprehend. He would have experienced God's powerful hand at work in his life. But then they get to the wilderness experience. And, you know, Joshua would have been a young man at this time experiencing so many things, but God was preparing him and he's preparing for what he was going to take him to next. 
And I just want to encourage you this morning, if you're going through a wilderness experience, if you're going through a time in your life when you just feel like dry, when you just feel like you're just going around in circles, God is preparing you for something in the future. There are so many things in our lives that we can't comprehend, that we don't understand, that we sometimes can't even see happening before us. But God is working on your behalf. Even right now, God is working on your behalf in situations and circumstances. And he's preparing you for what is to come. So when you look at Joshua, there are many times when Joshua was preparing for something. So Joshua captained Israel's army in the desert against the Amalekites. It was that story that we, ha- that we find in the Bible when Moses is getting tired and his hands are getting tired and he's watching Joshua down there fighting with the Amalekites, with the army. And every time Moses gets tired, Aaron and her come along and they lift up Moses' arms. And as they lift up his arms, they begin to win. They begin to have victory. And every time he gets tired, they start to lose again. But then when, Moses, um, when Aaron and her lift up Moses' arms, they begin to see victory. See, Joshua was learning through this that the battle belongs to the Lord, that it's not by might, it's not by strength, but it's by my spirit, says the Lord. You know, how many times in our lives do we try and struggle through? When we try and fight the battle in our own strength. But Joshua would have learned in that time that we need to turn to God for his strength, for his might. You know, I'm really thankful, as a bit of a side note, that I'm in an Aaron and her church today. If you haven't been to this church before, I just want to acknowledge this morning that this is a church full of people who get alongside others and lift their arms up. I'm not going to name names or anything today, but I know there are many, many people in this church, like Aaron and her, have come alongside and said, I'm going to lift your arms up because you're struggling. I'm going to lift your arms up during this season, and we are going to push through, and we're going to see victory. And I'm just really thankful to God this morning that you take that seriously as a church, that we come alongside one another and say, we're going to lift our arms up. We're going to lift your arms up and we're going to push through. When others are feeling tired, we're going to be the people that lift you up and to bring you strength. You know, Joshua was the one who climbed Mount Sinai with Moses when Moses went to meet with God. And God's presence enveloped Moses in the cloud when you're looking at Exodus 24. It was Joshua who camped on Mount Sinai until Moses came back down with the Ten Commandments and the glory of the Lord is shining upon Moses' face. You can't even look at Moses because he's got such a shiny face. He hadn't been using special face cream. He hadn't been to um, the beauty parlor. Moses had had an incredible experience in the presence of God. And Joshua, during that moment in his life, would have learned what the importance of spending time in God's presence, the importance of seeking God's face. Because it's in that place that is a place of revelation. It's in that place where God's glory is revealed. And then we get to that point that we spoke about a bit um, previously when I spoke about um, Joshua. When Joshua, with his friend Caleb, they're sent out with the ten other spies to go and scout out the land of Canaan. And, you know, they had a bit of a job on their hands because they came back and the other ten were saying, Oh, no, we must be afraid. The giant's in there and, oh, I don't think we can do it. Joshua and Caleb came back with a good report. But their countrymen disagreed. Everyone else around them was saying something different. They were even threatened with stoning because of their testimony when they came back. But they still stood up and said, no, we can conquer this place. They believed in faith. You know, the other ten spies were eventually killed by the plague. 
The other 10 spies eventually died. And everyone over the age of 20, during that period of time, except for Joshua and Caleb, they would wander in the desert until each and every one of them died because they were disobeying God, because they didn't live in the promise. But Joshua and Caleb were promised that they would see the promised land. They had to stand together, even when they were faced with opposition, even when they were in the minority, even when it was uncomfortable. And you know, church, this morning, we are going to have to be those people. There is going to come a time when we are going to have to be people that stand up. And some of you might experience that already in a very low level in the workplace or with your family or with people around you. But the way the spiritual temperature of our country is going, we're going to have to be people that are willing to make a stand. We're going to have to be people who are going to have to be a bit uncomfortable sometimes. But what is your choice going to be? Are you going to be a Joshua and Caleb? Or are you just going to be like the 10 spies and say, oh, it's just, it's not, it's not going to be easy. It's going to be hard. We can't do this. But this morning, I want to ignite in you a Joshua spirit. A Joshua spirit that says, be strong and courageous. I am going to be strong and courageous. I'm going to be the person that God has created me to be. You see, through all of that time, God was preparing Joshua. You can just see in those three snippets of stories, God's preparing him. He's understanding that the battle belongs to the Lord. He's understanding what it is to be in the presence of God. And he's understanding what it is to stand and to be somebody who, when faced with opposition, still stands for truth. When Joshua eventually gets to that point in Joshua chapter 1, he isn't a spring chicken. He's 80 years old. You know... God uses Joshua in the next 30 years of his life in a really significant way. For those of you that are older here, God's still got things for you to do. God has still got ground for you to take. God has still got breakthroughs ahead of you, waiting for you to, to step into. And, you know, the next 30 years of your life could be the most incredible 30 years you've ever had. So just be ready and be prepared. Joshua was ready. You know, his name means Yahweh, God, delivers. And he really does live up to his name. I love the fact that Joshua is a man who just steps out in faith and he sees God deliver him in incredible ways. So when I preached this message a couple of weeks ago, really focused in on that Joshua 1 verse 6 to 9. Be strong and courageous. You know, three times it's mentioned, but it wasn't even the first time that we see be strong and courageous come up in Joshua's life. Moses said it to him. If you look in Deuteronomy, I think around chapter 31, there are so many times, even prior to Joshua 1, where those words, be strong and courageous, come to Joshua. Why was it that, Jesus, that God kept saying to Joshua, be strong and courageous? You know, Joshua could have easily focused on his problems. He could have easily focused on the challenges around him. He could have focused on his weaknesses. But as God says to Joshua, be strong and courageous, he's saying, I don't want you to focus on your weaknesses. Don't do this in your own strength. Don't look at the challenges and the negativity and the opposition around you. Be strong and courageous. Don't do this in your own strength. Do it in my strength. Do it in the strength that I am going to give you. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of love, power, and a sound mind. Four weeks ago, this is what we focused on, kind of the basis of everything else that we talked about, was looking at those things that we become so afraid of, those things in our lives that grip us with fear. But God has not given us a spirit of fear. He's given us a spirit of power, of love, and of a sound mind. 
this is what happens then as we pick this up. After this um, period of time in Joshua 1, verse 6 to 9, Joshua is reminded by God, be strong and courageous. And this is where I want us to go in this next section, looking at Joshua and what happens next. So if you look, go to Joshua 1, verses 16 to 19. Joshua commands the officers of the army of Israel to start going through the camp they realize that they're about to take the promised land. They're about to go in. They're about to push through. And Joshua receives this message from the Lord saying, go, the land is yours. So Joshua gets around and he says to the officers, go around and start preparing the people. In three days, we're going to cross the Jordan River and we're going to take possession of the promised land. And the people answer Joshua 1. In Joshua 1, verse 16 to 19, they answer Joshua, we will do whatever you command us. And we will go wherever you send us. We will obey you just as we obeyed Moses. And may the Lord your God be with you as he was with Moses. Anyone who rebels against your orders and does not obey your words and everything you command will be put to death. So be strong and courageous. I just want you to catch this this morning. Because Joshua receives that message from God himself. Be strong and courageous. This message is starting to rub off on all the people that are around him. And when they reply to Joshua, they're like, right back at you, Joshua. Be strong and courageous. You know, God wants us to be people that rub off on each other. Be strong and courageous. Just turn to someone this morning and say, be strong and courageous. You know, there is power when we speak out the word of God. There is power when we declare that over each other. There is power when we begin to speak it out and it becomes part of who we are. You know, in our church, the reason why we often echo the same phrases that we are a church who wants to see hearts revived, hope restored, and lives rebuilt is because we want that to start rubbing off on you. We want that to start rubbing off on people in our community because that is who God has called us to be as a church. As we declare the word of God and as we begin to speak it out, God can do incredible things. And it causes our faith to rise. It brings unity into a group of people who collectively together say, we're going to be strong and courageous. So what happens next? I just got to get a bit of music ready. If you thought the the Bible's boring or you haven't read it recently, there are some incredible things in the Bible. There are stories about all sorts of things that happen. I've got to find the music now. Oh dear. (laughs) Here we go. Are you ready? This is one of the best stories for this kind of um, action-packed adventure. Put my phone on. Are you ready? It's coming. Oh no, that's not the song. <laughs> Try this one. Here we go. Okay, so we're getting into this part of the story now. It's getting very, very exciting, okay? So Joshua and the people are about to enter the promised land. But you see, Joshua, before he'd realized that there were 12 spies that had been sent out into the promised land, uh, to spy out the promised land, but it had all gone a bit wrong before. So what he does is he decides, instead of sending 12 people, he's just going to send two. And he doesn't tell anyone else about it. He sends them out in secret. And they end up getting in to Jericho. We're not quite sure exactly how they do that, but they enter Jericho. They are going incognito, and they get into, the prom- they get into Jericho, the city that they are wanting to get into to conquer. 
And the Jericho city was really, really important because it was right at the center of Canaan. So if they conquered Jericho, they could then divide the country and then conquer the south and conquer the north. And these two spies, they get into Jericho. They get into Jericho, and you might be wondering, what happened next? Well, those of you that know your Bible know this. You see, Joshua, on this side, he had to be strong and courageous. God had told him really significantly, in a really powerful way, this is what I've called you to. The land is yours. Joshua is full of faith. There's a big place called Jericho here, with big walls, with big fortified walls. It's a massive city. It's a really significant place, a really difficult place to get into at that time. But on this side, there's a Rahab that's waiting. You see, this is the bit that hit me so hard, and it was like a one-liner when we were at the iKids conference, really. But this bit hit me so hard, and this is what I want to speak about for the next 10 minutes. Rahab is here. She's on the other side of the wall. You see, Rahab is a prostitute. She's a broken woman. There was no way that she would have ever wanted to get into that life that she ended up having to live. She's, a, she's living in fear. She doesn't know what's going to happen next. So she needs a breakthrough. You see, Joshua needs to be strong, courageous here. Not just for the Israelites, not just for being able to go in to conquer the promised land, but because there's a Rahab waiting over here. There's a person here who is broken. There's a person here who is not living her best life. There's a person here who's never meant to enter into the lifestyle she ended up in, but this is the person that God chooses to use so that they can conquer Jericho. You know, God chooses the broken people. He chooses the people that are in a mess. He chooses people who might think that they are at the very, very bottom. He chooses them to bring victory. He chooses them to bring breakthrough. You know, we don't know an awful lot about Rahab, but at some point in her life, she entered into prostitution. There's some scholars and people, when you look into this in a lot of detail, and you look into the story, um, they, they suggest at this point in time, maybe she had left the, pro the, the profession and that she, was, she had opened some kind of tavern and that's where her family were living at the time. We don't know. But whatever happened, the shame of being a prostitute stuck with her. That's what she's called in the Bible. That's what she's referred to. But God leads the spies to her to glean information. God chooses Rahab to be the one who is going to be the person of faith to see the victory then happen. So Rahab, she uh, gets the spies in, she hides them and she shelters them. She's putting herself in incredible personal danger because she has these two spies from Israel that are now in Jericho. You know, this is risky business. <laughs> risky business. And, it, and, it, and if you look in Joshua chapter 2, verses 3 to 7, it just shows how Rahab, she even lies to the king's officials when they come to her door because they've noticed that these um, spies have entered and they've heard that Rahab, it, Rahab has them there. And she just makes up an excuse, says, no, 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 they've gone now, um, when actually she's hiding them on the roof. You know, she could have been killed. This was a case of high treason if they found out that she'd been lying to them. But then this is what happens next. If you read Joshua chapter 2, verses 8 to 13, it says this, Before the spies went to sleep that night, Rahab went up on the roof 
to talk with them. I know the Lord has given you this land, she told them. We are all afraid of you. Everyone in the land is living in terror. For we have heard how the Lord made a dry path for you through the Red Sea when you left Egypt. And we know that you did what you did in Sihon and Og, the two Amorite kings east of the Jordan River, whose people you completely destroyed. No wonder our hearts have melted in fear. No one has the courage to fight after hearing such things. For the Lord your God is the supreme God of heaven, above, the, uh, above and the earth below. Now swear to me by the Lord that you will be kind to me and my family since I have helped you. Give me some guarantee that when Jericho is conquered, you will let me live along with my father and mother, my brothers and sisters, and all their families. You see, in this passage, what we begin to understand is that Rahab, she's been hearing what's going on in the city of Jericho. She's been listening to what's happening amongst the kings and amongst the officials. And they're all living in fear. These are the same group of people who, years and years before, when they'd gone to the promised land, they thought that, that they were afraid. Joshua and Caleb weren't, but the other ten spies were afraid because of them. Now the tables have turned. Now the tables have turned. You see, the Canaanites were afraid of the Israelites because they had seen God's power at work. They'd begun to hear stories about the crossing of the Red Sea. They'd begun to hear stories of the battles that, we, that had been won. And Rahab shows in this passage a confidence and a conviction of God's power at work. Somehow, she's got hold of this story and she's beginning to think, wow. That's the power of God. Look what God's done with those people. You know, we need to be ready to explain God's power at work in our own lives. 1 Peter 3 verse 15 to 16 says, And if someone asks you about your hope as a believer, always be ready to explain it. You know, there are times and times and times again when we miss opportunities to speak of the power of God at work. You know, when God's done something incredible in your life, don't be shy about it. Begin to share it. Begin to declare it. I remember when I was at work in, um, Ex in Exeter, when I was there as a teacher, and people knew that I would talk about my faith quite openly in the um, staff room and so on. And what I began to find was there were particularly a couple of people that were going through some really difficult times. And there were moments when they'd just come alongside me in the staff room and they'd just come and sit next to me and they'd just go very quietly, but they'd go, Hannah, I just need you to pray for me. And um, we'd be eating our sandwiches and we'd be chatting it through. And then there was this moment, Gareth and I were um, at a conference and we, we were in a worship time. And I'll never forget it because it was just, again, the power of God at work. And um, the person that was speaking just said, if there's anybody here and you are going through a dark situation right now, I want you to stand up and I want to pray for you. And I don't normally do this. When I do look at my phone in church, it's because we've got the um, plan on the phone when we're here. But at that moment, my phone buzzed exactly the same moment as he said, put your hands up if there's someone here that's in a dark place. My friend from work texts me, Hannah, I'm going through a really dark time right now. Will you pray for me? I'm there in the appeal, standing up like this. Her husband had just left her. Her son had been diagnosed with, um, with special needs that were going to become very much part of his life day in, day out. And she was in a mess. But it was because I was willing to show my face sitting around the table that she felt, I can ask you to pray for me, Hannah. 
you know, the journey carried on with her. We were in the car. I ended up having to drive her to work because her car broke down. She didn't have money to be able to pay for, for it to be fixed. So I would pick her up for work and her son, Thomas, and we would drive to work. Even today, she still messages me, Hannah, I know when you pray, it works. Will you pray for me? You know, being willing to share the power of God, being willing to share your testimony, being, being willing to say that this is my story, the impact that can have on the people around you is incredible. You know, the second thing that we see about Rahab is she understands who God is. It says, no wonder our hearts have melted in fear. No one has the courage to fight after hearing such things. For the Lord your God is supreme, God of the heavens above and the earth below. She recognizes who God is, his power, his glory, the supreme God above the heavens above and the earth below. You know, we need to remember God's involvement in our lives, that he is working on our behalf, that he is sovereign above all, that he is the one who holds the world together. He is the one who has the power to make things happen in an instant. Do we walk in that power? Do we live in that same power this morning? And the third thing we find about Rahab is she recognizes her need for salvation. And she recognizes that not just for herself, but for her whole family. When she's asking the spies, if I, if I hide you, if I give you this information, what's going to happen in return? She's beginning to understand that she needs salvation. She's beginning to understand that she doesn't want to live in this life anymore that she's got caught up in. But not just for herself, for her whole family. You know, God's number one. Um, way of getting more and more people to come and know him is through you. That you and your family will be saved. That it doesn't just stop off at you, but it's the people around you. It's your family. It's your friends. It's your co-workers. You know, how desperate are we to see the salvation, not only in our own families, but in our communities, with the people around us? See, Rahab recognizes this. She doesn't just say, oh, can you just come and rescue me? She's like, no, 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 my whole family, we all need rescuing you. We all need to find salvation. So what happens? She hides the two spies. They manage to then escape and return back to Joshua and explain what's happened. You know, I think Joshua must have been so excited when he hears that actually they're afraid in there. They're just so afraid that they just don't know what's going to happen next. They've heard the stories of what God has done. Joshua knows that the victory belongs to the Lord. He knows that they can go in and they can take the promised land. So they start to get ready. The people get ready to cross the Jordan River. And again, the river parts, just like it did um, with the, when they crossed the Red Sea. The river parts and they make their way across the promised land. They prepare and make a memorial of 12 stones to remind them of what God has done. And then they camp out in a place called Gilgal. And now this is really significant because Gilgal means to roll. They weren't going to do roly-polies. <laughs> they weren't about to do something to do with rolling, but this is really significant. And I read this afresh this week, and it, again, just brought me to a place where I just went, wow. In light of what we've been doing as a series, I'm going to talk about something that... Um, you can ask Gareth the details about this after. But there's a bit that we often don't talk about. When we talk about the great miracles that God did during this time, we talk about the Jordan River. We talk about Joshua when he met um, 
the messenger, the angel of the Lord. But we often miss the bit in the middle because it's a bit of an uncomfortable thing to talk about. But what Joshua does is he circumcises the whole population of Israel at that time. If you want to know what circumcision is, Gareth will tell you all about it at the end of the meeting. (laughs) You see, what had happened was none of the Israelites had been circumcised during their time in the wilderness. And what happened was, because they had disobeyed God and they'd not vowed to go into the promised land, that whole generation had had to die. So what Joshua is doing, he's circumcising the men and the boys that would have been taking their place of their fathers. And what God is doing is establishing a new covenant with the people. This is an act that they did. Circumcision was something that they did as a covenant, as something that they did to signify that it is God that is going to get us through this. This is a new covenant that they're making with God. So Joshua spends time doing this, but this is really significant because after that happens, after the men that are going to be going to fight, the men that are going to be going to go in and claim victory over Jericho, after they are circumcised, this is a verse that just stood out to me. When you think about the fact that these men are men whose fathers didn't make it into the promised land because of their disobedience, but this is what the Lord says to Joshua, today I have rolled away the shame of your slavery in Egypt. At that moment when they circumcise the men and the boys, it's a covenant moment. It's a moment that's saying the shame that you experienced, the shame of your fathers, the shame and all the things that you witnessed, it's over, it's finished. Today I have rolled away the shame of your slavery. They're in the place of Gilgal, which is called to roll. It's significant that they're in Gilgal at this time. And at this time, that covenant is made and the Lord declares to them, today I have rolled away the shame of your slavery. Today, church, there are some of you that need to know that Jesus has done that on the cross for you. That he has rolled away your shame. That he has rolled away the shame of some of your family history. He has rolled away the shame of generational things that have happened within your family life. He rolls away the shame of your past. He rolls away the shame of your sin. And he says it is finished on the cross. The shame is gone. And you can live in freedom this morning. You know, when they entered the promised land, they weren't living in shame anymore. They weren't living in the shame of their fathers. They weren't living in a place of disappointment. They were living in a place of freedom. And today, church, as we end this series, I just really believe in my heart that God's saying to some of you, and it goes quite deep. For some of you, this is something that has been historic, something that has been sitting there for a long time. God wants to roll away the shame of your past. He wants to roll away the shame of family history that you're not proud of. He wants to roll the shame of generational ties and curses and things that have been spoken over your family. And today, he wants you to stand up and be a person who is free, free from shame, free from those things that have held on for so long. But we've got to have faith this morning to believe in his promises. 
We've got to have the faith that says this morning, I am going to believe in the promises of God. I'm going to be ready to stand up and fight. And I'm going to be ready to step into the favor of God. You see, when we catch up in Joshua 6, you get the battle of Jericho. I'm not going to go into that. It's a whole preach in itself. But God gives them the victory in an incredible way. You have to go and read about it. And we get to Joshua 6, and what happens? Rahab and her family are saved. When the walls of Jericho come crashing down, it's Rahab's house that is saved. It's Rahab's house that finds salvation because she chose to be a woman of faith. She chose to take a risk. She chose, despite the situation that she found herself in, despite the life that she had led, despite the shame that was upon her, she chose to be a woman of faith and to believe in the God of Israel. You know I love the fact that she goes from a house of shame to the hall of fame. House of shame to hall of fame. House of shame to hall of fame. Hebrews 11 verse 31, it was by faith that Rahab the prostitute was not destroyed with the people in her city who refused to obey God, for she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. And not only that, but go to Matthew chapter 1. And this is the bit that is even more precious. Rahab, because she stepped out in faith, she's grafted into the lineage of Christ. Salmon was the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab. A woman who was a mess. A woman whose society just didn't think very much of. She chose to step out in faith. She chose to believe in the God of Israel. As a result of that, she is saved. And not only that, but she becomes part of the lineage of Christ. You see... What would have happened if Joshua wasn't strong and courageous? There never would have been a Rahab. There may never have been, she would have never been part of the lineage of Christ. God this morning is calling us to church to be strong and courageous. Not just in the here and now for ourselves and our own situations, but because there are Rahabs in our community. And I'm not just talking about prostitutes, I'm talking about people who are living lives that are a mess. And God is saying, I want you to be strong and courageous because there are people over here who need you to stand up. They need you to be courageous because they are waiting for a breakthrough. And are we going to be people who live in the shame of our past? Or are we going to be people that stand up and walk in victory and walk in freedom into the future that God has for us? Can we just spend a few moments praying, Jack? Do you want to? this morning there are so many things that we could take from the life of Joshua I just want to come back to something that I really feel the Holy Spirit is working on in some people's lives this morning and I know it's not a comfortable thing but just want to deal with the whole thing of shame 
we've been talking about this all the way through this series and maybe some of you have responded previously but there are moments in our lives when God can just reveal things that we didn't even maybe haven't thought of for a while or things that have just been so deeply seated in our lives you see Joshua and Caleb and all the other men that had experienced the wilderness they've been seeing the mistakes of their fathers they've been seeing the things that they had done that were just so so disobedient to God the shame that had hung over them as a generation when when they knew what God had promised they knew that God was taking them into a new place that moment when the Lord says to Joshua today I have rolled away the shame of your slavery. You don't have to live with that hanging over you anymore. It is finished. It is done. And I just believe this morning that there's some people here and it's not even maybe shame that's anything to do with your own actions or anything to do with what you have done, but there are things that have gone on in your family life, things that have happened in your past, and it's like hanging over you like a dark cloud. And the Lord says to you this morning, today I have rolled away the shame. Today I have rolled away the shame that you've carried. You don't need to carry that anymore. It's not yours to carry because I've taken it. I've taken it to the foot of the cross. And as Jesus died for our sin and our shame, he died so that we could know victory and we could know freedom this morning. what I'd like you to do this morning, if you know that there are not necessarily things in your own life that that you hold on to as shame, but if there are and you want to respond in this way, then please do this. But if you know there are things that have been over you like a dark cloud, and this might have been for years and years and years and years, today I want you to make a stand to say it is finished. I'm not going to allow the shame of the past, the shame and the embarrassment of things that have happened to hang over me anymore. It is finished. And if that's you this morning, I just want you to stand to your feet. I know for a fact there won't be just one person because there are many of us that could probably stand around this room because we know there are things that have just come and been like a cloud over us. God says, it is finished. It is done this morning. Today, I am rolling away your shame. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. know there are many of us in this room and we've been doing this series and God is saying I need you to be strong and courageous I need you to be a person that is going to make a stand because there are Rahab's waiting for their breakthrough but you need to be strong and courageous and you need to be ready because I am taking you to be a person of faith I want to take you into a place of battle because these people need people that are going to stand on their behalf that are going to fight on their behalf 
And I just wonder, church, this morning, if there's anyone else that wants to join in standing and saying, I want to be a person who is strong and courageous. I'm going to be a person of faith. I'm going to be a person who's going to stand up on behalf of others. Could you stand to your feet too this morning? Thank you. You see, to get into the city of Jericho, the people, they didn't have to fight. They had to begin to sing. And they had to begin to declare God. And they had to begin to declare in a way where they were raising a hallelujah above the, above the problem, above the situation. They began to declare and they began to sing. They did it for six days. And on the seventh day, they did it seven more times. And then the walls came crashing down. And today I believe, church, this morning, that there are walls that are going to come crashing down as we begin to stand in faith, as we stand in courage, as we begin to step out in strength. And God is calling us this morning to be a voice that is louder than the voices of our problems, that is louder than the voice of our circumstances. And we're going to begin to sing this song. I'm going to use this as a declaration this morning that we are going to be people who are going to raise a hallelujah, who are going to be strong and courageous, And we are going to be a people of victory this morning. Amen.